Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. Today is the second episode of our watch along of the underappreciated gem Deno Coil. My name is Caitlin and I am a writer and editor for Anime Feminist, as well as writing for The Daily Dot and my own blog, I Have a Heroin Problem. I'm joined today by Vry and Peter. Hi, I'm Vry. I'm an editor for Anime Feminist. Uh, I also freelance all over the internet. You can find me on Twitter at WriterVry, and if you check out my pinned tweet, it has a whole bunch of information about where you can read my stuff. You can also listen to my other podcast that I co-host, at TrashPod. And I'm Peter Phobian. I'm an Associates Features Editor at Crunchyroll and a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist. All right. So today we are looking at episodes 7 to 13, up to the halfway of Deno, halfway point. Um, and I just wanted to first check in and see if you guys have any general thoughts so far about this segment of episodes. I think I'm old now. Because <laughs> I, wow. I, I know exactly how these kinds of series work, and I'm pretty sure I said it in the last episode, that when you have a two-core series like this that clearly has a lot of emphasis on, on world-building and mysteries, that probably about the end of the first core it'll introduce something really interesting and then spend most of the second core interrogating that idea, which is exactly what this series of episodes did, and yet at the same time I know that if I weren't watching this show for the podcast I'd have dropped it within the first six episodes because I'm old and tired and shows take a long time to watch. <laughs> it's true Th- that being said I did like uh, I-, I liked the last two or three episodes of this run a lot oh yeah no those last two and three episodes are honestly some of my favorite uh, favorite episodes of anime ever made I did think it was a bit strange uh, uh, keeping with your uh, kind of recipe for how these shows usually go which uh, I-, I totally agree that's how 24 episode uh, series basically always play out. This one kind of introduced that thing with, uh, I think, Kana's Diary, uh, and then just kind of went back to the daily life of hacking kids for the next three episodes. Um, I'm I mean, not sure how I feel about that, because it kind of uh, introduced the, there was like the twist or the big moment, and then it went back to kind of slice of life world building. Uh, as opposed to, like, uh, waiting a couple more episodes, then transitioning to the second half, which would be mostly plot-related stuff, I guess. I mean, it seems... Right. I think I can see what they're doing with it, because clearly there is some kind of stuff with death and loss and digital spaces as the ability to, like, hold on to things in the same way that some sometimes you come across a, a deceased person's Facebook and it's really creepy. So, like, clearly there's stuff going on with uh, Kana's digital footprint and Michiko and uh, Isako's dead brother and all of that stuff. But it's not, that's clearly all second core stuff, whereas this is, it, it, it's probably all going to tie into the really major overarching theme of this idea of digital sentience that most of the end of the first core spends its time thinking about. So I think I get it. Right, and I think it's it's kind of a slow burn. It is a very um, slow burn. I mean, it is not kind of... It is a slow burn, but um, they do... They do drop, you know, uh, the, like the... Um, for example, the uh, Test of Courage episode talking about um, Miss Michiko. Miss mm-hmm. uh, Michiko is actually very important to the show. Yeah, it's been very I confusing guess- for me. Because mm-hmm. I just came off the Michiko and Hachi and watch along. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is that Michiko. All the kids are big Sayamamoto fans. I think they might be a little young for that. I think in a few years, Fumie would be really into Sayamamoto. Agree. She's a good girl. Or Isako. Isako, too. Yes. <laughs> Isako in like six years would be a really good Sayo Yamamoto heroine, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would watch that. <laughs> oh God, Sayo Yamamoto Deno <laughs> I of of the many things Yamamoto is good at, she's not very interested in writing about children. Like, the kids in no. her show are always the least interesting part. That's true. So Hachim's <laughs> kind of a take it or leave it situation. Um, but even. Like the stuff that does not 
um, it does not uh, directly affect the plot has thematic resonance. Um, I'll I'll be real here. There's some foreshadowing going on. You don't say. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. But anyway, so let's talk about the. This is a relatively episodic stretch, so it kind of makes sense to go through it episodic episode by episode. So the first episode we watched for this, episode seven, was the Coil Detective Agency, uh, with uh, where Isako sets up an elaborate trap to get try to get an illegal and ends up trapped in a room with Yasuko while Kyoko runs around not noticing that they need help. I know you don't like Kyoko Rai, but she's a very real fictional six-year-old. I believe that entirely. <laughs> and I think maybe the difference between you and me is that I like six-year-olds. <laughs> let's not make it. Let's not make it a part of canonical podcast law that I hate children. <laughs> I, I'm not very good with kids. They kind of wear me out. <laughs> I, I do like Kyoko uh, a lot. I, I find her a lot more endearing when she's hanging around with Daichi, and they they have kind of similar energy levels. Like that's <laughs> much easier to watch. Really well. Um, and plus, there's not that like sisterly note with Yasuko where like Yasuko sees her as annoying mm-hmm. um, whereas like Daichi is just like this weird little kid who is hanging around him but he doesn't seem as irritated by her um, Yeah, it, it is an excellent way of taking two characters I don't like very much on their own and um, making them a lot more interesting yes this was a really good stretch of episodes for for Daichi and Kyoko. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what I, you know, the meat of this episode was probably, you know, Isuko and Yasuko being trapped together, especially since they don't really interact very much for the next stretch of episodes. Yeah, there's, Isuko doesn't show up very much, all told, except for like two or three important scenes. Mm-hmm. She, she's kind of um, just hanging out. Just uh, hanging out on the sidelines well because everyone's like farting around and she doesn't fart around mm-hmm. um and they're on summer vacation um so they're not thrown together as much and she doesn't she's not really the type to like call them up be like hey guys let's hang out and i'll boss you around right only because um, it's too much effort yeah that would involve initiating uh contact with other people um, but I think Isako and Yasuko have a very interesting dynamic, um, where Isako is, you know, it's, it's a very obvious, like, two opposites sort of thing, but, like, you know, Isako is really cynical, and Yasuko is very, like, optimistic, and they're, you're getting a sense that they can both kind of see through each other. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy... I, I, I liked watching them play off of each other. Um, and when they're stuck together, they can sort of make it work. Yeah, they're... Um, well, they didn't kill each other, so... They did not yeah. kill each other, it's true. It works. Um, and it was... <laughs> uh, Yasuko trying to pose so that, that Isako could... Uh, access the online and be just be like a human antenna that that scene was much more interesting to me than literally every other crush scene in this stretch of episodes where i quietly died the daichi stuff yes oh yeah that's a little annoying i I say mostly because you know they they had that goofy one-off that that means exactly nothing where isako is being practical and and yasuko is being a 12 year old with hormones feels weird about about strangers fussing with her arms and stuff right but but in reality i i do think it's an interesting dynamic because you know isako is a very bossy person and, and yasuko is a very go with the flow kind of person but that isn't the way they in, the, they they don't fall into the natural expected dynamic where uh, for yasuko is 
Instead, Gasco is a little bit more forthright and, and willing to be pushy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and she's just, like, aggressively, like, hey, friends are good. It's Don't you think friends are good? It's super cheesy, it but not, it's sweet. It's not nice being all alone, and Izuko is just like, hey, how about you shut the fuck up? Because I know that you've got some shit that you're trying to uh, overcompensate for. Yeah, that, and, that's... I, I had almost forgotten about that. I assume that, that mm-hmm. we'll be coming back to that as well, since there's a lot of big, heavy, foreshadowy flashback stuff. Yeah. Yep. Stuff in the... Uh, in the... Uh, Tor- behind the Tory gates. Pr- probably safe to go ahead and call that 4423 is also Isako's dead brother. Mm, interesting prediction. Just gonna throw that out there now because of conservation of narrative detail. <laughs> yeah, they're certainly not letting uh-huh. us forget it, so. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so... And plus, like, Isako, like, she puts on, like, a front of, like, oh, I don't care about anyone. But she really, like, stepped up when Kyoko was in danger, right? Like, Oh, that was a good scene, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. And she seems sad when, uh, oh, my God, what's the kid's name? Kanako? Kyoko. Kyoko? Kyoko? Yeah, when she ran to her sister afterward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, I think this show is really good about, like, giving its characters some complexity without being really um, heavy-handed with it. And I mean, she's definitely that, oh, I really do want to have friends, but but the plot and also my own hang-ups demand that I be an asshole. But she's not really loathsome about it. Like, mm-hmm. she's not a Sasuke. No, she's, she, like, she comes across as someone who is like emotionally like an emotionally damaged 11 year old because 11 year olds are not nice right yeah no kids are terrible like 11 year 11 year 11 is about when kids are kind of is is an age one of many ages where kids are kind of jerks um it is not an it is not an age where they tend to be super empathetic to each other well has the plot demanded that she work alone or not let other people help her because i think uh yasuko basically said it seems like we're doing simpler or like similar things if you have a good reason for doing what you're doing i'd help you out and in fact they are pretty much doing well i mean we don't really know what yasuko's doing yet but it probably involves a dead brother and they're researching uh, that guy's dead friend so uh Harakin's dead friend so Tana. I mean, yeah. in the in the basic sense that if Isako wasn't quite it wasn't so aggressively opposed to people helping her on things that require secrecy for the plot to move, then there would be no plot secrets. Yes, but but it also just it it, it also seems to be like who she is, mm-hmm. right? Like it's yeah. not just plot de- plot demands it, but like she is not a person who works with other people. Yeah, no, it doesn't feel contrived. Um. You know, there's no yelling at the screen. Like, if you would just work together, then you could... Like, it, it doesn't feel that way. It feels organic for, like, in part of who she is. Like, it's very, like, well-crafted that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you, there, there's a whiff of some parental abandonment issues there, too. Mm-hmm. She visits her, her uncle. Yeah, so... Is it, was that in this episode, or is that a little bit further That's forward? A little bit. That like was after Kana's later, diary. I think. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the uh, the summer festival. It's a good episode. It's just a kind of plot that I hate because like they're kids and it's fine and they're trying and it doesn't feel like super contrived in the way a lot of romance school plots do. But also, I'm just dying inside. Because I don't enjoy those kind of stories. Those het, yeah, it, het preteen crushes. Yeah, like preteen stuff feels so like I understand why these narratives work because it does. Your emotions are big and it feels big and every you know and so much of that is what works for the show. But with romance mm-hmm. in particular, it is it, the way that it's played as as world endingly huge 
as if it actually is and and all of these things are are real and true and definitely these kids will end up together usually with the implication that they'll be together forever as opposed to this being a big huge emotion because your kids and emotions are big at that age it it (laughs) tends to tire me out like it's specifically that whole and now you'll be together forever because your childhood friends yeah, I never but, particularly saw the charm in the whole uh, the boy picks on the girl because he likes her thing. Uh, I think a lot of people think that's cute. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, no, it's 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 not a good thing. Yeah, I, I can see why um, why you would why you wouldn't mind this because I I, I know that um, Fumie and Daichi have that kind of dynamic that you really I- enjoy, Caitlin. No, it's not about it's not about that. No, no, I, I but but I'm saying it, I know you and I know you like those kind of playfully uh, aggressive like matched equals kind kinds of dynamics and, and like I, I i will give it to it that 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 moment where daichi really wants to say that he likes her and he says something stupid instead that felt really earned and real in, in a way that mm-hmm. i think was well written well and i well the, and the 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 thing that i think is really like interesting and enjoyable about this is that like it's not just that daichi likes fumie but also, like, I think he misses being friends with her, right? Mm-hmm. Like, those two, like, they're they're so similar. Yeah. Um, and at least he's canonically emotionally constipated too. So it's not like yeah. this, this is just how boys <laughs> like, are. And yeah. We 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 saw his dad a couple episodes later, right? Like, you sort of start to get a sense of how he became who he is. Yeah, this oh, yeah. tracks. What's up with dads uh, walking around their houses naked in this show, by the way? That's the second, the, like, literally the second dad introduction. I think the first scene every dad gets is the kid being pissed off because he's just walking around naked. <laughs> I didn't notice the pattern. Yeah. But <laughs> I want to see if it holds for future parents. Um, I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, <laughs> with, with Yasuko and, and Haruken, it's very, okay fine fine yeah yeah no that was just sort of like yeah okay um the yasuko and haraken one is not super interesting to me but like with with daichi and fumie what um and like it's not like this like oh i ship it oh it's my otp right um like they're like i've said before they're at an age where like there starts to be pressure for like boys and girls to kind of uh separate socially because they're being um socialized so differently Mm -hmm. um and we don't know what fumie's family life is like uh other than that fumie other than that she doesn't get along very well with her brother um and it seems like um she's under a lot of pressure to study um Mm -hmm. but like I don't know. She also so, like, seems very driven, so I, I think the studying might just be her wanting to succeed too. That could be it too, um, but like, so like, it's not necessarily necessarily just a crush thing, but also that they're sort of sort of starting to separate just because that's what's expected of boys and girls at that age. Yeah, and you can. Um, and Daichi is kind like kind of an asshole, and like he feels probably like this is how i'm supposed to act towards a girl now and now that i see her not necessarily initiated by him liking her but him realizing seeing her as a girl and becoming interested in girls and it's you know like complicated and this is like this is all sort of stuff that i've like thought about with the character and sort of built up and guessed at because my like i said my sense in the episode wasn't just that he liked her but also that he missed getting along with her and he missed being friends with her um because they get along really well when he's not being a brat (laughs) he's not being himself i mean i think the roots of all of that are there to pick up on it and kind of expand and headcanon on i think i think that's fair and i think like i said there are moments where the writing is really strong i think it gets bogged down a little bit in the tropiness now and then which is kind of where it stumbles because it feels like it has to play into the in into like the pigtail pulling stuff, right? No, that's fair. That's fair, and that sort of brings us over to the um, the uh, summer camp episode, also known as about the 
what I like to call the Battle of the Sexes. <laughs> One of West the less obnoxious Battle of the Sexes episodes that I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Hurricane's on the girls' team, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like like low key Battle of the Sexes, right? Like that's sort of the because um... Hurricane did n- not get caught up in the whole. He he's not the personality kind of personality where he gets caught up in the whole like. Mm-hmm. Oh, picking on girls phase. Yeah, girls are dumb. What, what with the soul crushing grief and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, that's true. Like, uh, I haven't worked. I I have worked with children like Daichi, and they are, and I have been very uh, empathetic to Daichi when discussing this episode. But as a teacher. <laughs> As a teacher, they are the worst. You mean the teacher that gets drunk and then goes along for the? Well, <laughs> I mean yes, but I'm I'm like, like from the perspective like I've had kids like Daichi in my class where everything uh, you say they have like some sort of like smart so the... foul mouthed remark to respond with, and there's nothing you can do because you can't sink down to their level and there's really only so much you can do if they don't give a shit right Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and and they're probably gonna turn out fine hopefully but right now just god please stop and they are usually like daichi the product of a an environment of uh boys will be boys toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. um they are actually often do fairly troubled kids um in their home life in some way but they are still just like sometimes you just want to strangle them oh (laughs) (laughs) but he's still he is a very realistic very realistically written child and i feel like we're talking a lot about daichi in this but i feel like this stretch of episodes does spend a lot of time on him Mm -hmm. so yeah anyway yeah yeah and and like as far as the the male, male characters go well, I mean, Denpa's best boy. Uh, he, oh, he, Denpa's such a good he's boy. He's a good boy. And Haraken is the kind of character that I just know if I was the intended age for this show, I would have been super into. <laughs> Hashtag goals. <Yeah. laughs> to be yeah, deeply I think, scarred well, by tragedy and, a, and seem deep. This is a, a big arc for Daichi because he loses control of his... He, like, he was the leader of the antagonist, but then uh, Isako, I think she takes that from him after mm-hmm. uh, he, he fails in the Kana's Diary episode. Uh, and then after that, I think it tries to... I mean, it, it does a little bit... Of, well, the reason he failed was because of... You see a bit of his more human side, and then it spends the next couple episodes trying to further humanize him so he can mm-hmm. probably end up working with them later on in the series' second half. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, e- even in even in just these episodes, he, he he's working like he, he calms down a fair bit in in the second half of this stretch. He has some shit, what with the goldfish and right. all. Yeah, I mean, it, it, when right. he gets to a stronger personality than his, you see him kind of uh, fold. Like when the the bigger villain in Isako arrives, he folds like a chair. And even uh, uh, oh my god, why do I keep forgetting your name? Uh, Kyoko, uh, even when she shows up and basically just calls him poop and won't leave when he tells her to, he just, he doesn't know what to do. He's just (laughs) not as, like, tough as he wishes, as he thinks he is or wishes he were. Yeah, that's how he socializes, (laughs) so he can't deal with Kyoko, because she's better at what he does than he is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, um, but, yeah, like, you know, this episode doesn't really deal in, like, sort of... Even though it is a like, ostent like kind of ostensibly boys versus girls girls thing, like even though Harkin is like with the girls, like he's just sort of like he doesn't like he doesn't care about all that rivalry shit. He just wants to figure out what happened to Kana, right? Like he's so like he he's not like uh caught up in that bullshit. So he's just sort of like with them as the default. Yeah, and it, it- <laughs> I think. Like, because his characterization right now is so incredibly tied to Kana, he's a little bit of a cipher right now. Like, he's sad, and he is driven, and he hasn't let Yasuko and therefore the audience have much glimpse into any of his other personality traits. Mm -hmm. 
which is, you know, fine, and there's a reason to write it that way for, for narrative reasons, but it also doesn't make him very interesting right now. Yeah. Although I thought it was really funny when he was um, going over the, what, the quote-unquote real yeah. story of Miss That's I felt <laughs> he's like what? What's so scary? That's just how the story goes. I felt for that boy so hard in that moment. Why does nobody want to listen to me detail the various horrible similarities between <laughs> horror movies? This is very interesting. I felt for that boy. <laughs> and and you know it's it's not it doesn't have like oh the girls are getting scared while the boys tell the scary stories. Um everyone like flips at the actual like more terrifying one um it doesn't fall into like uh and and this is like what i think is really interesting about deno coil from this perspective is that is sort of the gender dynamics and specifically the adolescent gender dynamics because mm-hmm. um, that is sort of an interesting and like evolving time um for that to be happening as opposed to like when you're like 16 or when you're 20 or whatever like things are changing (laughs) when you're adolescent because hormones and all that shit (laughs) well and daichi's character in particular is is interesting in a vacuum because you know theoretically you see him struggling against this idea Mm -hmm. that you can't be this kind of stubborn loudmouth childish jerk forever and eventually you have to grow up and actually communicate with other people of course then when you put that in context of real life it gets depressing really fast because uh, a lot of men like that never ever grow up and continue to be horrible and expect mm-hmm. the world and particularly women to accommodate them mm-hmm. yeah um, but like in a vacuum it's an interesting thing that i like what they're doing with it mm-hmm. poor poor Ico, like is just like just there Trying to trying to wing women for her friends, and I I, I really like how the show uses like um, urban legend, mm-hmm. um, because like oh it's summer summer is the time to tell ghost stories, so we're gonna tell these urban legends to each other, um, but the urban legends are actually like important because they have to do with the whole like shifting boundaries of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, that are sort of starting to come into play with the plot. Um, Yeah, um, one of the things I felt really hard during this stretch of episodes that really came into its own is, is the idea of the digital space having no history. Uh, You know, the, 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 the conversation about how old e-spaces are disappearing and being written over and constantly updated for, for ideal interface, which is, you know, mm-hmm. crowding out all of this this history and these useful things, which is definitely applicable to how we use the internet now. You know, uh, there are there are fandom things that I remember and what and uh, were really impactful in how things work now. That just there wasn't a history of them because it wasn't considered important, and so that shit just is gone from mm-hmm. the, the from from the cultural consciousness consciousness. Right, like the the review site where I met some people who are incredibly important to me when I was in college, Anime a- uh, anime Academy, um, not the Crunchyroll video series. <laughs> Peter, you stole that name. I didn't, I didn't come up with the name at all. I, you didn't t- pick the name? I just wrote the episodes, not in Brandon. You just wrote the episodes. Yeah. Well, whoever named it stole that name. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do you name. like that. <laughs> you stole that name. Mm. Um, but it's gone. Like, it's gone. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Angel Fire like, and Geocities, gone. Mm-hmm. So Have you many. tried the Wayback Machine? I mean, yeah. Shout out to Evan Minto's uh, valiant efforts over at Internet Archive. Yeah, I mean, stuff like Regretsy that have been truly scrubbed are rare, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, Regretsy's gone? Regretsy is completely scrubbed. You cannot get it on the Wayback Machine. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It sucks. What? Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, like, and even with the Wayback Machine, you can't... Or it is very, very difficult to do general searches... You know, you have to know the specific mm-hmm. web page and time period you're looking for. Yeah. And right. uh, with some uh, stuff that's introduced in the, the later episodes that we're going to be talking about that does have a uh, element of uh, maybe existential horror to it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, the stuff that does stick around, it becomes illegals and, like, 
illegals are just like are um old corrupted old corrupted code or meta bugs are and illegals are like old corrupted code corrupted uh digital pets like so like ev- the things that are not updated become corrupted mm-hmm. um right so yeah no that's really that's really interesting yeah it, it is especially with this focus on you know this is all augmented reality that the kids are going through but it's still you know a digital space where which is the primarily means of primary means of of forming community so you know when stuff is when stuff is gone it creates this this gap or uh, even stuff as small as like um god why can i never remember her name harakin's sister kana ha- um yeah the, the fact that hana was originally part of the uh detective agency and Kana wasn't his sister. Oh no, uh, no! I, I think she his, I th- his um no no his, his, aunt. his older sister. Yeah, Obachan. Oh, his aunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or does he say son? I don't remember what he calls her. He calls her. It's translated to auntie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah she, she's his aunt. Yeah. Yeah, she but like but like the fact that that she was part of the detective agency. I don't know. She mm-hmm. she, she aged out and is an adult now. She might as well have never had that history. Uh, stuff like that is interesting and a little bit sad mm-hmm. yeah um absolutely um and it turns into urban legends mm-hmm. um and i don't know um speaking of adults let's talk a little bit about miss maiko in this episode i like miss maiko she is doing getting, her best <laughs> getting she's got that one teacher who's just like who's just she's just like oh even though he wasn't invited, he's here. <laughs> I, I take it this is a uh, not unknown occurrence in the teaching profession. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, he's just like so obviously like in love with her and pursuing her. Um, unfortunately, yeah, uh, yeah, and and she and and she and I can sympathize with her because she. When she's like, I don't want their last memory of summer of sixth grade of them to be of just of them fighting because they are friends. Um, she has no patience for that, like, boys versus girls bullshit. <laughs> her, her subplot did feel a little weird to me because this series is otherwise pretty emotionally grounded. Like, if this was Asamanga Dayo and it was Miss Yukari getting drunk around her students, that's... That's fine and expected, but it's this show that takes place in a semi-real world where I could expect somebody to maybe call Child Protective Services. Yeah, I don't know what the, uh, the if that is just a cultural thing, um, but... Like, it's, it's such was... a harmless thing, but it, it just clashes with how the show has otherwise defined mm-hmm. itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it is a weird thing to suspend disbelief over in a show that you generally have you have to suspend disbelief about you know certain things but the characters you generally don't have to Mm -hmm. um but i still i like that she's just like you guys are gonna be friends you guys are gonna hang out you're gonna be friends you're not gonna like it gonna regret stuff like i maybe did (laughs) (laughs) She is doing her Adolescents best. Adolescents be damned. <laughs> you guys are friends. It, it is. It is nice. It's a nice breather. And, you know, it makes sense that it's situated right before things get, um, you know, begin to get a little more, not quite dark, but melancholy. Mm-hmm. Um, and melancholy, let's move on to Kana's Diary, which is the most plot-relevant episode or the most heavily plot-ish episode that we have um, uh, in this stretch. I thought uh, the the episode, more than anything, I'm kind of wondering, I don't know, I really got the feeling that Isuko is kind of a villain in that scene, specifically the scene where she finds Harakin passed out on the floor, and I guess he has a history of getting lightheaded and maybe passing out, um, but mm-hmm. she did not know that. So he could have had a seizure or something, and she like literally just steps over him to 
get this whatever the heck the the Michiko uh, thing is supposed to be. Yeah, no, she's not a nice girl. Yeah, I mean, like earlier on, it seems like she kind of wants to do her own thing, but in this one, I'm, I'm, I, I mean, she's already reused people, but in this, this, I think that scene more than anything shows how little regard she has for the well-being of other people. Uh, mm-hmm. Besides that one scene with Kyoko, which is kind of a standout moment. Um, well, Kyoko's a little kid. Yeah, we didn't uh, really talk Harkins about it, but she, the, the whole the whole duel thing uh, was predicated on um, Daichi getting the girls' glasses, I guess, just mm-hmm. so that they couldn't do anything anymore to possibly interfere with her plans, um, rather than just avoiding them or something like that. But that in and of itself kind of seems cruel as well, considering how. I don't like not being able to have glasses in this day and age is kind of like trying to I don't know it's worse than taking somebody's cell phone you like can't interact with other students on the same level anymore right um and I mean I think that's a Daikoku like a Daikoku city thing because that's um I think the city is unique in the level of at the level of how it's integrated yeah but it kind of like um, the episode uh, the the one with where she saves Kyokyo, I think, was trying to humanize her a bit, and then they walk it mm-hmm. back uh, with this one and show at least how obsessed she is with achieving whatever her goal is. So do you think it's, like, inconsistent inconsistent characterization, or is it, like, the situation was different for her in that moment? Um, I don't know. Like, they're all kids, right? But I guess Kyoko's especially a kid, uh, and she seems to have sibling issues, so maybe uh, uh, something about Kyoko's plight or... I don't know. Maybe it was just the drama of the situation. If somebody's about to fall, there's obviously a death thing there. Maybe she didn't fully appreciate mm-hmm. what sort of danger a passed out person could possibly be in. Um, but uh, that seems like people a very serious be, situation, right? People can be really insensitive about that. I had a friend who um, dislocated her knee at Anime Expo one year. And like, she wasn't unconscious, but she was like, kind of like in like lying on lying on the floor in shock about like what had just happened and there were people stepping over her um like at anime expo uh adults and um like since she she was in cosplay she was cosplaying tifa and practicing a pose and hyperextended her knee and it popped out of the joint um a couple of people took a picture of her lying there on the floor injured. Like, while the EMTs were over her. Oh, yeah, after the medical service already arrived? Yeah, that, at that point, that's pretty, uh... Yeah. So, like, <laughs> no people can... Yeah. People can... But I have no doubt that, like, a lot of the people who did the, that insensitive shit would have helped a six-year-old who was about to fall potentially to her death. You know, people can be really insensitive um, about, like, things that look mundane. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also with Isako, it, it reads a little bit to me like, you know, a kid's a kid and she hasn't done anything. But Haruken is, you know, quote unquote, an adult, i.e. also 11, very mature. <laughs> so clearly he can handle himself and mm-hmm. she doesn't need to worry about him. The peak of human maturity they've all achieved at the age of 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this, the same way that, you know, you wouldn't, it, it, it in, in an action movie, you know, you might step over an adult on the ground because in the way of the goal. Because, fuck it, they're mature, they'll figure out their own shit, which is not true, but... Which is kind of what she was doing, right? She had her eye on, on the goal. Mm-hmm. She was trying to get whatever the heck was going on there. Well, and also... Getting... <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's it's a 2007 anime where people were even less thoughtful and also 11-year-olds are even less thoughtful than that. So, uh he's breathing. It's fine. <laughs> probably. Someone else will come and help him. Yeah, probably just I've gotta, asleep or something. I've got to go get that illegal. So, um like not a great thing to do, but not actively malicious, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, morally gray. Yeah, well, there are, there are laws in California against that now. If you're the only person around, <laughs> oh, you have ignoring? to help them. Yeah, yeah, you got to help them out. So, in some places, you can't help because if they get hurt, 
you could be liable, but in California now you have to help. Uh, You're yeah. obligated, legally obligated to be a good Samaritan. I think there's a, I think it's a traffic law. Um, something about like if, I, not a traffic law, but I, I, I feel like there's a, some sort of situation where somebody's like on the side of the road and they need help. And like if, it's one of those things where if the highway is full and there's other people you're not obligated, but if you're like the only person on the road, uh, mm-hmm. like, and you just pass them by and something happens to them, uh, that could be considered uh, like you contributing toward the bad thing that happened to them. Right, like negligence. Yeah. So they could sue you or their family could sue you if they die or something like that. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we sort of start to get a sense of who of what is going on with Isako, kind of. Not sort kinda of, sorta of not really. And then she kind um, of vanishes for most of the rest of the episodes, except for visiting her uncle. Yeah. Um so yeah. What about how about sunken Daikoku City, aka Daichi gets a fat fat fish. I I I like that kind I, I love the the I love monster pet episodes. It reminded me a little bit of the style of episode you would get with uh, with Pet Shop of Horrors or something like Gremlins. And I'm kind mm. of about that kind of stuff. So I-, I thought that one was fun. It did a lot of really interesting things visually. Yeah, it's a fun episode, but like, I don't know. I feel like of all of the episodes of the show, if I had to cut an episode... Like or like that one has the least bearing on the narrative. Like, I, I mean, it 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 sets precedence for uh, last plesiosaur, like narratively, but mm-hmm. but yeah, it's not sort of illegals as as uh, uh, as, yeah, as pets. I think the only thing you really learn from that that may be pro- relevant later is that um, Harakin's aunt knows. Um, the old lady oh man what's what's her name megaba yeah megaba they have a past because she makes her apologize before they fix she fixes the situation um but yeah past that i mean they do cool animation a kind of a cool concept mm-hmm. for an episode but uh nothing really important happening past daichi getting owned yeah which is always good yeah um then the next the one after that is one of my favorite episodes um daichi grows Daichi grows a beard. Deno Coil does that one episode of Futurama. <laughs> I know, pretty much. I was thinking about that while I watched it. Where, um, uh, you, uh, Yasuko, much like Bender, a character she is very similar to, <laughs> grows a beard. <laughs> um, and it's all very heavy handed uh, adolescence metaphor, but the sight, but. The sight gags are amazing. Well, then the whole attempting but to beneficently play God with a tiny, tiny civilization. It's it's so not subtle at all, There's but I'm no about winning. it. Uh, <laughs> this like, I mean, just the shitty mustaches that the boys grow. Like the girls just get stubble, but these boys get these shitty wispy mustaches. Yeah. Poor Dempa got the, the, like, the mouth corners. I don't even know what that, was that called anything even? I, I oh, don't know. Actually, I think that's a comedy bit. It's either Chinese or Japanese. I don't remember what. There's a famous comedy character that just has the mustache on either side of it. Oh, no, no. It's, uh, it's, uh, um, Mexican, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a famous comedy character that's just got a bit of mustache on either corner of his mouth. Yep. Uh, so I, maybe, I, I was thinking maybe they were trying to. There was also uh, bring a part of creation yeah. joke with that. Oh, there was. Uh, Ron, have, have you watched Parks and Recreation? Yeah. Ron uh, gets back together with his ex-wife. Oh, yeah, when he goes insane. Um, <laughs> oh, you shaved your mustache. Yeah. It wore off. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> anyway, oh, I've been watching a lot of that show recently uh, as a way of avoiding work. It's very good. <laughs> But the whole uh, uh, scenario kind of, I don't know, I, I guess that means that there can be, because uh, they never gave you any indication that uh, all the, the I, I don't know, the micro-civilization on their faces uh, seem to have sentient life. Um, and 
so I, I don't know if they, they have established that they've created any sort of like sentient AI yet in the series. Um, I, I haven't heard anybody talk about that at all. I mean, they have they have pets and stuff, but that's like not necessarily, that's pretty easy to fake, right? Um, I mean, if you want to get really pretentious and up your own butt, you could you could argue to, a, you know, a, a point of philosophical or of philosophy where at what point is just following, set, you know, set patterns indistinguishable from humanity? And yeah. so what point it, is what point humanity just going through the motions of a similar routine? Or they're, uh, you know, uh, illegals or corruptions of, pro- like, they're corrupted programs, they're pro- mm. corrupted software that could be, like, what they were originally created as. Mm. Like, some sort of uh, simulation. Sims some game. Some sort of simulation game. Um, oh my and god, I Matrix really... Theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I actually, I mean, I, I, I like how um, Deno Coyle sort of handles the question of artificial intelligence. Yeah, it's it's not super, it, because it its characters are kids, it has the, it, it, it has the upper hand of not having to have a character who sits and ruminates about the philosophy and ethics mm-hmm. of artificial intelligence, which is a bad, bad trap that a lot of sci-fi anime falls into. I love Detroit yeah. Become Human by the excellent <laughs> I David Cage. I, I was going to say that. You <laughs> beat me to it. I'm sorry. How dare you? Uh, Both of you have stolen <laughs> jokes from me. Podcast is over. Okay. Canceled. If it makes you feel any better, I was thinking of Ergo Proxy. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean. I mean, that's sort of, or the, uh, the bad android buddy cop show from a couple years a few years ago like beyond human or whatever it was which also made parallels between androids and black people i'm pretty sure it it definitely was not as bad as detroit become human because i'm not sure if that's possible (laughs) (laughs) but how it has so many pixels and therefore many emotions it's can you press f to pay respects (laughs) uh you can you can press x to i have a dream God damn it. <laughs> yeah, this Jesus is better fuck. written than that. I just like yeah. less is more because these stories have been told so mm-hmm. often for literal decades. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think this well, show that's... knows that. Right. And and I mean think about your like think about playing The Sims when you were eleven. Thinking about your like fucking nano pets when you were eleven. I was eleven when that was yeah. the Tamagotchi was the be- was the big thing. Um I remember like my parents would never get me one, but like wanting to play with my friends when I was in sixth grade, like even as like even as an adult, I get invested uh, when I play in, in my Sims. On the rare occasions I have time to play the Sims, um, I'm on like the fifth generation of this family now that I've been playing. Um, Real, like you know, but they're eleven. Like they don't. I play the Sims and like. I get bummed out when this one that I've been playing for a long time dies, but like you know, I I know that they are like just uh, little bits of data, right? But like when I was eleven and when nano pets were this big thing, like you don't you don't care, you don't question it, you're attached. Um, I, I laughed really hard at the Nietzsche uh, illegal. Like, super fucking hard. Oh, yeah. One of uh, them is Yasuko saying I'm dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the fact that the visuals scale up to absurdity, but not too much. Like, it's, it's not enough to undermine the emotional effect they're going for. But also, flying digital warheads. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. When the one like blasts off from her face, and they're just like, "Oh, whoa!" And then it just turns yeah. around. <laughs> <laughs> like that show has so many. That is like one of the most. Inc- this show in general has a lot of really great, like clever visuals, but that episode is just so like. Y'all were talking about the fish, but, like, visually the beard episode 
is one of my favorites. A triumph. <laughs> a triumph. Yeah. Like that was honestly seeing people posted about posting about it on Twitter was what got me to watch Deno Coil the first time. Um, just like this show looks incredible. It's uh, it's a very good episode. <laughs> um, speaking of good episodes. I'm really good at doing really well with the segues, guys. <laughs> we're, we're very proud oh, of you. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm doing really well with the segues. The last plesiosaur. This nice boy did not deserve any of this. He's oh, a good boy. I did cry actual tears at this one. Um, May have teared up Dempa, a little. Dempa, I, I was wiping my eyes. Uh, Dempa helping this poor illegal uh, that's all alone and is about to lose its home trying to find its space. I really like Dempa. He, he's a good nice boy and you know he like he is the sort of gentle giant archetype but I also mm-hmm. appreciate that in a show that doesn't shy away from how kids can be shitty nobody like there's not a lot of fat jokes at his expense either from the characters or narratively like that's right. nice. And, like, it, it makes sense that, like, the reason that he's friends with Daichi and, like, the other boys in the Daikoku Heike Club or whatever, um, they're not, re- like, they're not really hanging out during summer break, but Dempa seems to be really attached to Daichi um, because Daichi defended him from some bullies. Cause, and it makes sense because, like, Dempa's the, like, gentle giant, Daichi's tiny and shitty. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and, and at the same time, like, he's down for most things, but you also don't mm-hmm. get the sense that he's kind of the whiny tag-along that nobody likes. No, that's Akira, Fumie's little brother. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just nice, because normally he is he is the sort of character who would fill that role. The one who's kind of a pushover is, is also... The Futoshi. Yeah. The Futoshi. Yeah. <sighs> oh, Franks. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> Futoshi is a worse version of Dempa. Uh, um, I wouldn't say he's worse, just people are worse to him. Like, he's, that, that, that the character, he is the, the, worse world, written. the world around that character yeah, has made that character a, a joke, mm-hmm. right? So Right. Um, but, like, Dempa's, like, there's no, like, fat jokes at his expense. Like, there's a sense yeah. that, like... He is he is bullied partially probably because he is fat and also but also because he's really soft spoken. He's kind of weird. Um like he has this like special relationship with electronics. Um so like it makes sense that like he would attract bullies because of all of those reasons, not just his size. He's just um, trying to be a good and helpful boy. He's but he's and he's just he's so he's so sweet and he's like so empathetic. Um, and he's, like, genuinely empathetic. Like, you know, like, Isako has called out Yasuko. Like, yes, Yasuko's very nice, but there is a little bit of a false note to her empathy. Whereas, like, Dempa is just so sweet. Yeah, honestly, uh, of, overall. of all the mysteries on the show, like, are a varying degree of interest to me. But the, the one I'm genuinely really curious about is is the fact that he can hear metabugs i find that really interesting right i mean i think it's like the characters who are good with good with electronics is sort of a a, an archetype like he's definitely not the only like character like that that i've seen and i've never really seen it explained just like some people are good with electronics some people are bad with electronics it's like um hana from um from Fruits Basket. Mm. Like, she can control electric waves and it's not really explained. That's just sort of... Mm-hmm. Um, well, and in Dempa's case, it's kind of mixed with the personality of the, uh, you know, the the squirrel whisperer kind of character. Mm-hmm. There's there's yeah. a little bit of cronk there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, but, but he is... He, he's so sweet and, like, that is sort of... That is what gives him this episode a lot of its power, right? Like... Mm-hmm. It's just the some like something about the relentlessness of it is very like like it's very much about preservation in the face of progress tied to this idea of 
it, it reminds me of the the something a turtle episode of Utena, mm-hmm. honestly, um, in a very good way. I, I will say it's a it's a little bit contrived that they happen to start on street constru- construction at right this moment, but it's fine. I'm fine with it. It works. <laughs> Since some like sometimes you have to be a little contrived to make things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like in general, this idea that when you're a very a lot of this series so far has used the digital space to play into that childhood of idea of you know if you're smart enough or if you're daring enough you can you can do just about anything and uh, no sometimes you can't. Right. Yeah. Like some like. There was no, like, they could not figure out a way around the way this, the plesiosaur was programmed. Like, he was, like, he was a glitch. He was probably a bundle of messy, messy code, probably. Um, that just happened to manifest in a way that, that was, seemed at least appeared to be and like i said the show does not question whether or not it's actually intelligent or if it is just the appearance of intelligence um but that had like this appearance of intelligence of uh self-awareness um yeah and but like you like it would have been such a mess like trying to go in and trying to figure out like just exact like pull out the bits of code that would fix like ha- fix the glitch or like make it so that it could go over light spaces like there was just sometimes there's just nothing you can do and, um and there's a very agonizing undercurrent of this idea that we're we're doing we're, we're causing this creature incredible pain you know for this for this theoretical greater good that we couldn't even deliver right like it was all for nothing and like it was just oh it's it's very sad <laughs> like that yeah no that like and you know that episode definitely like it's it's it it's a really great example of like creating emotional investment in this thing that has only been in the episode in in one episode but and and like to it, an extent we care about it because we care about Denpa but but even mm-hmm. still it's a good episode yeah just absolutely yeah no that and that is like largely considered to be like the one like one of the best episodes of the show mm-hmm. um not that it's all downhill for him anything but just like that the story told within that episode alone was so powerful right yeah it's kind of a, a unique feature of this kind of storytelling is that you know you have you have the overall narrative stuff but then you kind of have that sweet spot between the early episodic stuff and and the later more narrative heavy stuff where you can where you can coast on these isolated stories that also have the emotional resonance that you've spent all this time building up right and and i mean and the world building is um like the world you don't have to waste time on the world building the world building is all set up um and the characters are set up so you can just get right to this this one really beautifully crafted story about this poor illegal that is about to go extinct um and and the idea of whether that's better or worse to can Mm -hmm. is existence better or worse if you are all alone without anyone who can understand you like that's heavy shit for a middle schooler show yeah like this is a children's show i don't know the fucking the 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 fucking visual trick with the smokestacks is just borderline cheap but damn you it's effective it was yeah like for some reason like there's so there's so many things in this episode that in like a lesser like with lesser storytelling, it would have been cheap, or or it would have been cloying. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been Violet Evergarden. <laughs> um, throwing in some hot takes this episode, coming in hot. Um, Parks and Rec, Violet Evergarden, Detroit Become Human. Well, we got everything. 
Yep. But, um, you know, it could have been just, it could have been very cloying, but the story, the way, like the way that the story is told has just enough humanity to it that it's just, just heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Peter, you've been quiet. What do you feel about this episode? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I guess I'm kind of the type who would want to dwell on stuff like, uh, I guess I'm like looking at these situations and wondering what exactly they're trying to say about, uh, illegals and artificial intelligence and this world that's being created. Because like with me, the beard episode was just like, it turns out there's like almost all of this stuff that they're just playing around with as children could actually be sentient life. Uh, perhaps even like entire communities of sentient life that are just being erased. Like uh, they're when they're they sort of establish that the illegals try to eat pets because it like is some code that they can latch onto, which is kind of a survival instinct, right? Uh, and then the plesiosaur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know quite what they were going with that one because it was kind of like, was did it have some memories or was it? Were there more plesiosaurs before? Did it get all this from like a? corrupted code of an old National Geographic episode or something. Kind of hard to say. Um, But I feel like... I don't know if it's trying to tell us that uh, all this stuff is human and the way that we're just treating it like it's uh, just data um, might be due to blindness as to the stuff that we're actually working with. I guess that's kind of how I took that episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that's... Definitely not. I never really thought about it that way. Um, but yeah, just because the show does, like, the show deals a lot with pets. Um, so it's, there's, and like, people's e pets getting lost or dying. Um, and I think there's just a lot of resonance there. I never really thought about it as, like, yeah, this, um, playing with the idea of, like, intelligence. This show strikes me as an idea that's not as a show that's not necessarily disinterested in big ideas, but it's it's only interested in them so far as they affect the lives of the characters that it's following, which is the kind of narrative I prefer. I I find that shows like Psychopaths, uh, Psychopaths leave me a little bit cold, but, you know, that's it's just a different kind of storytelling where, where the a lot of you know, you, you're only going to touch at the edges of the big philosophical ideas. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, yeah. We could right. we yeah. could talk about how Psychopath is awful at world building and had a really terrible story in turn as well. Uh, <laughs> we, that would be another episode. But but it is like the or recent series of here are our characters who are basically ciphers designed to exposit worldviews. Ah, so it's a Genaropuchi anime. It sure is. Uh, no, and I that's that. where the comments are coming from. <laughs> I think Just... we better wrap it up now because no one is listening anymore. They're all too busy <laughs> typing angrily. No, I actually like Genurubuchi. I, I do too. Uh, sure, mostly like Madoka. Uh, I think I think Urubuchi's good. Uh, Psychopaths is not. Well, I don't know. I don't think he was a like primary Psychopath. on Psychopaths. Uh, it's not. It's honestly you can skip it. <laughs> it's super skippable. It's not good. Um. All right, but. This is a good place to kind of um, wrap up the episode. Um, so, any uh, predictions for what's up to come? Any uh, Anything that we didn't really touch on in this episode or so far um, that we skipped over that you guys want to talk about and bring up? Uh, I, I'm hoping that by next time we've mostly moved away from episodic episodes. Yes. You know, they have. I will tell you that right now. Uh, the plot definitely starts kicking in in a big way in the next uh, in the upcoming parts. Right. Yeah, because the show has definitely reached that point where um, one-offs are no lo- are going to have diminishing returns. So that's nice to hear. And 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 I like these characters. I, I want to see where they're going. Looking forward to... I'm, I'm guessing that we still probably won't see too much of Isako. That feels like a last arc thing. Yeah. She's kind of got her thing, and I assume she 
is building up towards something that the other characters won't see until it's nearly too late, right? Mm. Something like that. Oh, did I get it? Did I get it? Mm. <laughs> no, um, I actually make... Uh, you guys are lucky. I have a terrible poker face. Okay. But, <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I'm very good at making hmm noises that mean absolutely nothing. Okay, perfect. Well, I don't really know what to expect like, I mean, it's kind of, it, we hit the turn, but there hasn't really been as much uh, or, like, very much that would really indicate to me as to where the series could go next, so I don't really have too many expectations. I'd like for Yasuko to maybe tell Fumie that Daichi has a crush on her so that they could resolve that plot point, because I feel like her not telling her is just going to make those two continue to circle around each other awkwardly. Um, but, so if it does that, then maybe next six episodes successful. But I trust the rest will be good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so it's all about adolescence, man. Yeah, it's like a metaphor all, and stuff. Yes, but in a more subtle way that <laughs> I'm excited to talk about in upcoming episodes. Anyway, I think that wraps us up. That's our episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, check out our website at animefeminist.com. Uh, if you have not yet, if you really like us, please consider becoming a patron. Even a dollar a month adds up and really helps us out. Uh, we have broken re- even recently, but there uh, are things that we would like to be able to start doing for the site um, that we still need to be working towards, stuff like uh, transcribing our podcasts. So yeah, even a dollar a month really helps towards making that possible. You can also follow our Twitter at Anime Feminist, our Facebook at Anime Fem, and our Tumblr at Anime Feminist. And now to steal D's sign off, because we need one. Thanks, Annie Fam. Mm-hmm.